I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. <laughs> Today we'll be reviewing the second episode of the first season of Supernatural, titled Wendigo. Alrighty, so what did you think about the second episode? So my first point that I would like to make is that the direction and lighting have not improved from the first episode. <laughs> is the first season this consistently bland looking? I... Honestly, I don't remember anything about the direction. It's not honestly why I watch this show. Um, but I will say that I did notice more now than seeing as after you brought it up that uh, it is very dark. <laughs> like I was watching it and I was like, oh no, and Jamie is going to complain about it being too dark again, isn't she? Um, but no, I wasn't honestly paying that much attention. I think it probably changed because they'll have different directors through the different episodes and stuff and through the different seasons. But yes, no, I feel like it probably doesn't change as dramatically as you're maybe hoping it will. <laughs> I just want to see something. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, when you're watching television. Yeah. (laughs) I will say, though, the shell necklace that the guy who's, like, the brother is wearing is a look. I was like, damn, that is such a, like, late 90s, early 2000s vibe. Like, that is a look uh, that you're going for. My first note was that when the guy is being, like, straight up murdered, Mm -hmm. like, he gets dragged out of his... Or he, like, leaves the tent to, like, go pee or whatever. And, like, he's screaming and he's like, ah... His friend, like, literally, like, looks up from his DS and is just like, Brad? I'm like, dude, you're not concerned enough. Your friend just wandered into the wilderness in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, and started screaming, and you're just, like, barely having enough interest to take your head out of Mario Kart? Like, just... Hey, do not disparage Mario Kart. (laughs) Mario Kart is art. My problem is not with Mario Kart. My problem is with this guy who just goes... Brad? As his friend is clearly being fucking murdered. The way they slash open the tent is so goddamn weird. It's meant to be this big, terrifying beast, and the way it slashes open, it was kind of weird to me. I don't know, I guess it's more the shock factor, really. Because, like, if you're sitting in a tent and, like, someone's kind of, like, pouring at the side of the tent, you're kind of like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But if someone, like, slashes through your tent, you're like, oh, shit, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, it's more of a, like, a reaction, I guess. Oh, God. Although, I will say, at least these guys weren't as stupid as the last victim. Because the last guy straight up let the, like, villain get in his car. Like, at least these guys were, like, minding their own business in the woods. I hesitate to call the first uh, episode's antagonist the villain, though. She was a woman who murdered her children and then committed suicide because her husband was cheating on her and she went insane. Like, she didn't just go, I'm going to become a villain for the shits and gigs of it, you know? True. She did still murder a bunch of dudes. She did. Whether they were lying, cheating scum, you know. Different story. Like, cool motive, still murder. Mm. Although, what I did mention next to my notes is that the, like, forest ranger that they meet when they, like, are going to, like, investigate the coordinates that John's left them. They are like, oh, yeah, like, we're students, like, studying environment or whatever at this university. And he straight up calls them on their bullshit. He's like, that's not true. You're fucking lying to me. And they're just like, what? And I realized that this random park ranger was better at calling their bullshit than the actual officers of the law in the previous episode who straight up, like, believed that they were fucking... FBI agents or marshals. Uh, marshals. And, yeah. like, they walked past FBI and, like, everyone was like, yeah, whatever. But this, like, random park ranger is like, I know what's up. You kids are fucking lying to me. But then he immediately jumps to the conclusion that he's friends with 
the sister yeah, of and the, gives them information and then gives yeah. them information anyway so it's like you tried you get like you get a c minus yeah. because like you kind of did it but you didn't pass because you still gave him more information than you ever should have given them in yeah. the first place you know what i mean like speaking of smart characters in this episode the sister yeah surprisingly smart i was betting very early on that she was gonna die though Given because supernatural's track record i can't understand like, why you would come to that conclusion like <laughs> it comes straight off this other scene where they literally do like the obligatory man paying graveyard scene i was just like i was not feeling optimistic for her chances of survival considering she literally calls them out on their shit yes yeah, immediately yeah. she immediately saw through the park rangers excuse and never trusted <laughs> them they sort of forced their way into going with her yeah one thing i did have down is like when they go to her house first of all how the fuck did they get her address unless it was on the documents that the ranger gave them anyway point is it was weird that they were able to find her address but when they get there they tell them like who they're pretending to be and she straight up is like well i want to see some id fair question when strange men arrive at your front door and start saying that they're like you know from whatever organization but the thing is that like without hesitation dean straight up pulls out an id like oh yeah i've got that forest rangers like how do they come prepared with an id for literally everything the fbi i understand sure the cia sure i understand court marshals sure i understand but fucking forest rangers when did they make these like there must be a montage of like time that we're not seeing off screen where they're just going and like making these things and like they've got a little laminator set up in the back seat of the car and they're like pushing it all through because i don't know about you if i was gonna be like an undercover person who was like gonna be going i don't know under the radar and like trying to get into all these places that are kind of like held with security and whatnot park ranger is not one of the ids top of my list to be fabricating. I don't know about you. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> but I just, I find it funny. I mean, maybe they realised on the way over that they wanted to use Park Ranger as their cover story mm. to deal with the sister. So maybe they prepared them before they went and visited her. I mean, maybe. But they do get there pretty late because they're like yeah. eating dinner. Which, another point I had. They keep visiting people this episode at weird times of the day. Like, they walked straight into this lady's kitchen. She's like serving her little brother dinner. Which makes it like, what? Somewhere between, like, 6 and, like, 8 o'clock at night, maybe? Who goes to someone's house at dinner time? Especially if you're trying to pose as an official... Yeah, right? ...park ranger. It's like, why wouldn't you just wait... And then they go and they see, like, the older guy who survived the, like, attack when he was a kid. And it is so dark. I'm like, are you visiting him at, like, 9 o'clock Bethany, at night? You've forgotten. <laughs> it's not that it's meant to be nighttime. It's that they don't have the budget for lighting. Hashtag lights are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> the only bit that, like, I wanted to, you probably wouldn't know this because it's something that like recently became a thing like within fandom but when sam says to her like oh would you mind like forwarding these to me like email or whatever his email is canonically like lawboy at stanford like dot edu his email is literally lawboy like so we've worked out why the park ranger wasn't convinced that he was an environmental student (laughs) he typed in his lawboy email and he's like that is (laughs) lawboy like lawboy.com and it's like damn he literally clearly never questioned what he was going to study like and i also appreciate that like that username wasn't already taken okay oh and when the like older guy was talking about the attack and he was like oh you know like it unlocked the door and stuff and all i could think of 
all like, and I realize that this poor man is like so traumatized by like his parents being murdered and like you know the breaking and entering and like no one believing him and all this stuff all I could think about was it's like if Yogi Bear went rogue like if he didn't get his enough picnic baskets he'd be like going around to cabins and like breaking in and murdering people I just I don't know it's like See, Yogi Bear's dark origin story <laughs> and then this links back to like if he's shown capable of opening a door why the hell did he slash through the tent like that mm. could he use the zipper could he use the could zipper, use the zipper? But and then it's less suspicious because he's just going to think that it's his room and it's going to make it way easier to capture him. Like, what is it with these monsters who are like, hmm, you know what's going to make it easier for me to eat these people if I terrify the shit out of them so they're trying to run? There's this part, I don't remember what season, and I I think the monster is a wraith and the wraith is like how, like when a person's like full of those fear hormones like mm-hmm. the flight or fight like adrenaline, adrenaline and like all those things apparently it like makes them taste better somehow yeah but, but like, can i get an academic paper on that please yeah, oh yeah sure look here are my five peer-reviewed resources jamie about how wendigos like to feed but yeah no so i think for at least some of the monsters like the fear is actually like integral to how much they enjoy the meal the wendigo takes them prisoner and he stores them so, like, I don't know about you, but even if I'm not terrified in the initial abduction, yeah. when I'm then taken prisoner by a Wendigo, I'm going to be terrified. Mm. So you don't really have to have that extra terror at first. I wonder if it's, like, a marinade, though. Like, it's just, like, really high concentration. And because then when they're captured, they're, like, unconscious. So are they just, like, marinating in their own hormones? <laughs> I think this is getting a very macabre. What is so it? let's uh I think I think let's move on from the fear marination. Oh talk. god, okay. One thing I did want to touch on as well is like how are you feeling about Sam this episode? I call my dogs whiny babies and like that's all that's coming to mind. Like I just want to be like, oh whiny baby. I mean his girlfriend was just murdered, like in front of him. I feel like he has like reason to be a bit whiny. I mean it was like a whiny. Your his girlfriend was murdered. He's fucking traumatized. Um, so I feel like he has like a right to be a little bit upset. The reason I ask is because like I think it's really interesting in comparison to like John. Like he pulled his kids all through their childhood and into their adolescence and their adulthood as well. He was full of rage and hell bent on avenging Mary. And now Sam is in sort of embodying that same like thought process, which is he's hell bent on avenging Jess and like nothing else matters. Like as soon as he realizes that John isn't there, he's like, who cares about this hunt? I think it's like the last episode where you're like, there's this real significance to the moment where he gives him an order for the very first time to get Sam out the house and I'm sitting here going I haven't actually met John Mm. so it holds no significance for me so like that's fair that attitude shift didn't really mirror anything for me because I haven't seen what it's mirroring so because they're presenting this story in the order they're presenting it it's like that has no significance for me like it just doesn't do anything in terms of you know mirroring his dad's journey in terms of avenging mary like that's why i think he was just kind of whiny baby because like he's like oh let's just leave these people to die it's like oh so just because you lost someone significant like means that you don't give a shit about the world anymore yeah yeah i guess i need to like try and remember that like yeah a lot of that stuff isn't clear unless you've watched a lot more of the show but like also I think that it's interesting just in general to see Sam's attitude change because in the first episode, like, 
he is so hell-bent on, like, not being in the life and not wanting to hunt and wanting to be out of it. And then as soon as, like, the second episode, like, once it's about... He has this, like, revenge from, like... He has this whole plan where he wants to avenge Jess. Like, all of a sudden, he's very angry. The first episode, like... I didn't see it like that, though, because I saw it as... When he lost Jess, he sort of lost what was his tether to his normal life. Mm. So now it's sort of like he's just... He's back on the path because what else is he going to do? Like, he no longer has the thing that was tying him to his life as lawboy at stanford.com. So it just reads to me as he's grieving, he's lost what was his connection to, like, sort of the normal world. And now he's just like, well, obviously I'm not going to get out because I tried to get out, you know, the sort of not the one person but – one of the more significant people in my life from my normal life has just been killed in the exact same way as my mother. Like, clearly I'm not going to escape this. Yeah, and also it's uh, it also comes down to, like, if he hadn't known her, like, would she have died? And I think, like, you, you make a good point about, like, him grieving, because obviously he's grieving. He His girlfriend was just killed. And, like, even Dean mentions it. You know, he says, like, aren't you usually the one? Like, aren't I usually the one who, like, just goes in guns a-blazing? Like, don't you usually do the thinking? Like, But, yeah, I didn't read it as, like, a parallel, because, again, I have nothing to parallel it to yet, because yeah. we haven't really seen a lot about John other than he was kind of a shitty father. Like, yeah, and he's just up and disappeared rate. and he left the hotel room an absolute fucking pigsty. <laughs> yeah yeah i guess it's hard sometimes to separate because i already know it oh there's this one moment dean's still clearly trying to get in her pants it's just come out all of the shit that he's lied to her about in the last like 12 hours of acquaintance and he goes mm. are we okay it's like dude you have known her for 12 hours <laughs> to be fair i actually like Normally I would agree with you. Dean is written as like a very flirtatious, like get in everyone's pants kind of character. Mm. In this particular instance, like I don't think he was aiming for that. Like it might just be me who's like interpreting the scene that way because you could definitely interpret those conversations in like multiple ways. But like I think in this particular instance, it was more of a like concern about finding his dad than he is about Mm. um, hooking up with this girl. And also like obviously like he's like flirting with her throughout the episode, but I think it's in more of a like habitual kind of way and more of a like I'm going to pretend I'm okay through humor (laughs) and deflection you know there's this moment and like it's still just come to light all of these lies that he's told her Mm. and then he goes are we okay it's like you've known her for like 12 hours like you're not friends you you barely know this person and they've just revealed that everything they've said to you in the last 12 hours of your acquaintance is a lie it's a lie yeah and And now you're checking in to see if you're okay with this person you've just met I mean, I guess it could be a matter of him being like, you're not going to feed me to this time <laughs> at this point that she thinks it's like a bear, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you're not going to push me in front of this bear, right? I had a note, not about that particular part of the conversation, but actually the bit before it, mm-hmm. when she starts like accusing him and she goes like, you didn't pack any provisions. You were hiking in like jeans or whatever. And to me, I was watching it and it made me start laughing so hard because it was exactly that scene in Twilight where Bella is like, you don't go out in the sun. You don't eat. (laughs) I I was watching it and I was like, oh my God, it is exactly that scene. And oh, it made me laugh so hard. I was like, it even, even the same. Say it out loud. I'm not a park ranger. Yeah, exactly. She's like, you're not a park ranger, so who are you? But it just the way, like, they're in the forest as well, and, like, oh, it just made me laugh. Um, See, this is something I can get behind, the parallels between Twilight, Twilight and, and Supernatural. Supernatural. Oh, amazing. We'll keep that in mind for later. 
when they sort of get to the campsite and they find everything's like been destroyed and you know they're obviously like oh no something terrible has happened and dean you know fairly reasonably i would say says to everyone right no one goes off on their own and then he immediately like immediately just goes off on his own and then sam is talking to the sister and she's like calling for her brother like she's like yelling and sam's like shh you know like it might still be out there and then immediately dean from wherever he's gone off on his own starts yelling for Sam and I was like god you two are impossible like how are you so, like talk about leading by example it's like don't do this immediately does that don't do this other thing immediately does this other thing and then Sam goes to see Dean which leaves the, all the civilians alone and unprotected at the scene of the crime and it's like oh man like I have so much faith in you two and yet it's, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to put it into words. I think I might actually sort of jump around because we've been sort of talking the plot in order now. Let's let's just skip around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Talk about how truly baffling some of the music cues they've decided to use in this episode are. So at first I'm like, wow, they're just really going with like the most standard run-of-the-mill music cues you can ever do. And then there are just bits where it's like, this just doesn't match up with what you're showing me on screen. And I just, it confused me. And I'm surprised you didn't notice that disconnect especially in the scene where they're trying to like get out of the Wendigo's lair mm. which whole other thing like they're like oh we can't outrun this thing and it's I like know. what are we gonna do now we're gonna try and outrun it like I know it was so funny I was watching them like because like it's they've already like shown in the episode they're like it runs so fast that you can't see it and then like in the last scene you're like it's like running towards them and it just kind of looks like that like slender man meme where like he's like running but his like arms and it was kind of like you've already established that this thing runs so fast you literally can't see it which means it has to be driving like i don't know if you're watching a car go down the freeway it's driving at 110 you can very clearly see the car drive past you mm. which means for this thing to be going so quickly that you can't see it it needs to be moving faster than 110 kilometers an hour you running down a, like maybe a hundred meter stretch and it's just like lumbering after them and i was like you've always- the internal logic it's just inherently flawed yeah it's just it's absolutely gone and then they combine it with like the mediocre special effects and the confusing music cues to be fair the mediocre special effects would have been stock standard 2005 special effects like you can compare it to doctor who and you can be like okay yeah they were on par it's bad for 2005 that was like pretty standard i know? will admit though the special effects this episode better. were better than the last episode yeah i will admit that like, giant jump a little bit of growth you know mm-hmm. like after <laughs> so like, 2005 i'm like giant leap you're like little bit <laughs> but it just i think what undercuts some of the special effects is they could have been i think it's the same issue as the last episode like they could have been more effective but just the way they chose to shoot them, their choices surrounding them in terms of like music and lighting and direction are just kind of questionable. So it's sort of like it makes the special effects look even worse than they actually are. <laughs> because like you take it as a whole, there is nothing else that's even vaguely compensating for the special effects. You know what I mean? Although I did notice that when the Wendigo and when it's initially hit with the flamethrower and it's burning from the inside, that is obviously special effects. But then when the body falls to the ground, it's like very clearly a practical effect and it's really funny because obviously the practical effect looks more real in including the practical effect it made the special Special effects effects look look worse by comparison yeah because it's immediately obvious what is real fire and what is fake fire and it's like if you had just picked one and stuck with it like 
obviously it's harder to show something burning from the inside through practical effects. And so it was funny because, yeah, you see the corpse and you're like, oh, that's real. And they could have just done it like one way or the other or even used them more effectively together to have like the first little bit be special effects and then switch earlier onto practical effects. Yeah. So then it's not sort of like, oh, we've changed changed camera angles and now it's... They just didn't use any special effects to blur the transition between all special effects to all practical practical. effects. It It was just like... Yeah, it was like when the Wendigo was standing upright, it is fake. fake. And when it is lying Lying down, down. it is real. (laughs) It's like you couldn't just have like a few shots of like somebody upright in a fireproof suit like burning. Yeah. And then add the special effects and overlay so it's sort of... Smooths the transition between special effect and practical effect. It might have just been, again, a case of, like, budgeting, though. Because, like, I think especially, like, it is still, like, the first season. And I I don't want to be making excuses, but I feel like it's actually a fairly legitimate, like, point. Which is that in the first season, like, they don't know how well this is going to do. You only want to sink a certain amount of money into a brand new show before you've even aired the first couple of episodes. Because... If the audience response is terrible or not. And in the first episode of Supernatural, they had no idea that it was going to run for a whole glorious 17 seasons. <laughs> yeah, we're in season 17 now. I think it's official. And a prequel. They didn't know that this was going to become a cultural phenomenon that stuck around for 20 odd years and it would eventually have people making podcasts on it. So, you know, I don't think anyone could have predicted that. I don't think Eric Kripke in his wildest dreams could have predicted that. I feel like maybe studios were trying to show off what they could do with the CGI and it's just like us now being used to like the level that we get from like Marvel and like so I think like part of the like CGI issues is just maybe just studios in general trying to work out what is effective and what's not because if you look at other stuff from the time period it's also like what were you doing you know and obviously now we know it doesn't age well but I guess at the time I feel like it's time for Jamie's PSA isn't it oh we could go with Jamie's PSA what's Jamie's PSA for this episode (laughs) Don't trust people who you've known for 12 hours and have been lying to you the entire goddamn time. This applies to both supernatural, hitchhiking, and also internet dating. But no, because at the end it seems like she's going to fuck him. It's like... Well, she at least... She gives him a kiss, but I think it's more of like a... a... See, I didn't read it like that. I read it as the writers going very hard on the like, wow, there are two characters. One is a man, one is a woman. They are therefore going to like... Uh, Yeah, I think that a lot of that is like still them setting up the scene and setting up the characters because they do definitely write Dean as like a massive like ladies man. And very much like of the two of them he is much more likely to like have a one night stand or like do the flirting kind of thing where Sam is much more likely to stay in the motel and read books (laughs) like they really try and I think play on those like sort of opposing stereotypes a little bit so I think that maybe that's like partially them still setting that up I actually like and generally I would agree with you I think it's usually got a gross kind of undertone in this particular episode I didn't think it was that pronounced but in saying that it's probably again like I have context of other scenes and like other things that I would consider gross that you haven't gotten to yet so like maybe for you you're like oh that was kind of gross and I'm like oh that was tame (laughs) so maybe I have a warped perspective I'm just saying like it's generally a bad decision you know what I mean like I'm not saying that anything actually happened etc I'm just saying like it's about like you can see her considering it they very clearly had it in the direction she clearly likes him she would consider it and it's like it's like red flag red red flag red flag flag. (laughs) in the 12 hours you have known this guy you've nearly died on multiple occasions and he has given you (laughs) multiple red flags I don't care that he ultimately saved your brother yeah like he has lied to you consistently for this entire time i think they're really trying to just play into the like 
ladies man womanizer thing i think that was really what they were trying to set up for this particular character i don't love it Mm -hmm. but i think that's like the justification for putting that like bit in and also i appreciate that she like calls him on it because she's Mm -hmm. just like you know must you cheapen the moment or whatever and like it becomes a joke as well it doesn't make it better but like you can sort of see that that's like it's not a serious intention it's just kind of like hey if you're into it you know kind of thing i think it's just a case of like this is a questionable decision. <laughs> this is a questionable decision, yeah. It's no, like, exactly. Like, your brother's just gone missing. Like, yeah, he's literally um, in an ambulance behind uh, you. <laughs> imagine, imagine you're the sister, okay? Yeah. Right, so your brother goes missing. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly normal trip. They've just taken up to the mountains. They're going camp. He normally calls every night on the satellite phone. You haven't yeah. heard from him in, like, two days. Yeah. That is highly unusual. He always makes sure he calls and checks in. Mm-hmm. So you're out of your mind with grief, mm-hmm. right? These two men knock on your door. One of them, well, both of them try to claim that they're park rangers. Mm-hmm. It's clearly fake ID. They've shown up at like 7 o'clock at night and they're saying that they think something's happened to your brother, right? Yeah. Okay. You still don't fully trust them, but you're still flirting with one of them for some reason. <laughs> I mean, he does have an objectively better what? haircut than Sam, so. <laughs> of the two. <laughs> of yeah. the two. The next morning, they insist they're going on the trek with you that you've hired a guide for to go and find your brother because it's unusual. And you're not thinking like supernatural monster attack at this point. You're just thinking bear. like bear or maybe like something happened and like the satellite phone got broken or like maybe yeah. he tripped over and like got knocked out. You know, something bad's happened, Some but you're not thinking. Supernatural injury. Supernatural being that runs quicker than you can see them. Yeah. <laughs> That's not your first thought. That's not your yeah. first thought. Your first thought isn't oh, my brother hasn't contacted me in a couple of days. He normally does on his camping trips. It must be a Wendigo. It must be Bigfoot. Come to take him away. Yes. yes. (laughs) So then they come on this trek with you, the two men, right? You continue to kind of flirt back to the one with the better haircut the entire time. You don't even know their names at this point, okay? We're building character. (laughs) Did they not introduce themselves? (laughs) Did they introduce themselves with actual names or did they introduce themselves with fake names though? Do you remember? I don't remember. I don't remember. God, I only watched this yesterday. I need to pay more attention, clearly. All right, anyway, let's... let's They're on the track. They're clearly not park rangers. Yeah. That much is apparent, yeah. Here's the thing. I don't give a shit that they're hiking in jeans. Hiking in jeans is neither here nor there. It's not like they're hiking in skinny jeans or anything. But, like, they're not wearing hiking boots. Yeah, it actually makes more sense for them to be wearing full-length jeans than it did for her to be wearing tiny shorts. If you're going to be, like... I I mean, we're in Australia, so I guess we think more about snake safety. Yeah. I don't really know what snakes are like. But even then, like, if you're hiking off the beaten track... There is a good chance there's going to be bushes, etc., that are overgrown, which are going to yeah, scratch the have, like, shit out of your legs. Yeah, and poisonous, and you don't want like bugs. And yeah. Again, I'm not really familiar with the US wilderness, but like here in Australia, it's definitely like you should wear like boots, like they were wearing, and baggy, thick pants, like jeans, where possible. Because if a snake bites you, you don't want to be wearing nothing or thin pants. You want to be wearing something that they're more likely to bite than. And even if snakes aren't, a, or whatever. Even if snakes aren't a concern, you at least want to wear like full length leggings or something, so that if you're walking past bushes and stuff, Nothing's they're gonna not going to be as scratchy. Or, yeah. So you clearly know something's up. They're clearly yeah. not park rangers. You call him out on issue because stuff's starting to happen. Like. The supernatural beings now being revealed to you, they reveal that he's been lying to you this entire time. He asks if you're like that you guys are still okay, like as friends, it's like you don't know him well enough to really give him an answer. But he's gonna ask you anyway. <laughs> right? You still don't fully believe him because like he's saying shit about the supernatural, which you've never believed. Which in. sounds crazy, yeah. You then get 
kidnapped basically but like the same monster that kidnapped your brother yeah you're then held hostage okay yes he helps you escape but it's still like this entire time like your entire world's been shaken and you're still flirting with this one dude (laughs) actually that is a running thing in supernatural where it's just like you would think you'd be too traumatized to be thinking about flirting with people and yet here we are here we are (laughs) actually one thing that i had in a note so Again, this is something that for you probably didn't stand out, but for me did, which is when uh, Dean is like with Sam and he's like, dude, you got to pull your fucking head in. You know, this is dad's book and whatever, like, you know, the family business, saving people, hunting things. That becomes like the motto. I did have a note down that I didn't realize how many of the iconic quotes that I've seen on like photo sets, etc. on mm-hmm. Tumblr came from these first few episodes. Yeah. Just like I'd seen them in passing, like even like Driver Picks the Music, Shotgun Shakes his cake off, is in the very first episode. Yeah. And it's like that's something that I had heard just sort of generally speaking through the fandom. Like same as like, you know, hunting people, saving things. Hunting people? (laughs) Hunting people, saving things. The family business. The family (laughs) business. Which side of this are you on, Jamie? The Wendigos? (laughs) A hundred percent. That Wendigo should have legal rights. And should be hunting people and, and saving things. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's right from the start. And even in, like, later seasons, a lot of the most, like, iconic quotable things come from characters, like, first entrances mm. and first, like, their first episodes and stuff. It really, it really does set the tone as well. But, no, that one in particular, like, saving people, hunting things, the family business – Especially the concept You got it wrong there. (laughs) Um, Saving things, hunting people. (laughs) You know, that really became essentially like the underlying slogan and like Mm. the motto of what the show was at its core, especially in those first like few seasons. Monster of the Week episodes in later seasons tend to become more like filler. What I was actually going to say about that scene is literally like he like does his whole spiel and he's like, you know, this is the family business. Like dad's trusted us to like pick up the mantle and you know, whatever else. And, um, Sam asks Dean, he's like, how do you guys do it? Like, I'm just so angry. Like I, all I can think about is Jess and like revenge and like, how do you guys deal with it? Dean basically says like, I just kill as many things as I can. And I was like, oh my God, some men will literally become serial killers instead of going to therapy. Like Jesus fucking Christ. That is the worst advice I have, I think ever heard. Like, oh, you're grieving. Have you tried murder? (laughs) Speak to your doctor about if murder is right for you. Like, I understand that, like, the Wendigo, like, it stores its victims or whatever to eat in, like, winter or whatever, hibernation, blah, 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 yeah. blah. It's like, well, why would they, why would the Wendigo choose that location to store them? Conveniently located in an abandoned building with a keep out sign. The origin story of the Wendigo is oftentimes you get stranded, you turn to cannibalism to survive, and, you know, you eat enough people meat and it gives you superpowers, which, by the way, I swear to God, Human beings would think that Can somehow... I do a double PSA in this episode? <laughs> yeah. Eating other people does not give you superpowers. <laughs> Just a little hot oh, tip for God. you. Human beings would think that somehow our flesh would give you superpowers. Like, <laughs> like of every species, we would be the ones with such big fucking egos that we would think that eating our flesh would somehow give the person or whatever some kind of super The ability to run like Slender Man. <laughs> exactly. Like, do you think any fucking, like, I don't know, cow is out there like, oh yeah, if someone were to eat me, I bet I would make them run really fast. Like, 
only humans are that fucking egotistical, I swear to God. But yeah, so it's probably that, like, I don't know, maybe the guy who was a person before they were a Wendigo, maybe they, like, worked at the mine, you know, mm-hmm. and, like, the mine caved in, and then that's how they got stranded, and that's why they ate their, like, fellow mine people. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that was the origin. But I do understand keeping people in, like, I mean, I don't understand keeping people in a cave, but I understand, like, the idea of keeping your food, though, in that kind of area, because uh, you'd be keeping it, like, caves are, like, always cold, unless you're by, like, some kind of natural underground heat source, like a volcano or something, you know, caves are cold, so you're gonna, like, meat will but also, keep better, and, you know. He doesn't kill them. He doesn't. What I He learned... keeps them unconscious. It's like, what technology are you using to keep the people unconscious? Like, what are you doing to these people? It might just be exhaustion and like stress because like if you think about like when they're captured we were saying before like they get so like all the adrenaline and whatever and marinating you know, <laughs> marinating in their own like hormones fear juices fear juices yeah so you know like if you are in a scary situation and mm. you're like running or whatever and like later like when you run out of adrenaline you're fucking exhausted you are exhausted plus they're like stuck with their arms above their heads which is making your heart have to pump harder because you got to get the blood mm. all the way up against gravity also, what gets me is, like, how how does he tie them up, though? Like, what is he using as, like, you, like this is, like, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm understanding, like, the whole keeping food for winter and shit, but, like, also, yeah, how, where's, he, where's he getting rope? Yeah. Is he, like, going to Bunnings? Does he have a stockpile <laughs> of, like, rope? You imagine, like, like, you just go to Bunnings and, like, there's the Wendigo with the sausage sizzle, like. Does the Wendigo, like, you, you know, like, I'm just imagining, like, the Wendigo shearing himself like a sheep. And like spinning thread <laughs> using his own like like wool. Like <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, like the Wendigo like really grew out his hair and then shaved and then plaited it all together, made yeah. his own rope. Like when you live by yourself in the wilderness, you really have to you have to get creative. And resourceful. So you can and tie up your human captives, take them later on. <laughs> And, like, what also gets me is, like, there are all these, like, monsters and shit. Like, from what I'm getting, these, like, I understand, like, the first episode. Like, she targets humans because she's targeting a specific type of human. Like, I yeah, get that. Yeah. Like, I, I get I get her whole shtick, you know? Yeah. But it's, like, the why does the Wendigo need to eat human meat? Is human meat really that significantly different from, like, a bear? Maybe that you could just eat bears? Like, <laughs> maybe bears are bigger. They would last longer. Maybe. And you could make, like, blankies and stuff yeah. out of bears. I, you wouldn't want to make a blankie out of a human, I don't think. You know when you talk about, like, the fae, and if you eat food from yes. the fae, like, you can't eat human food ever again? Or did you... So have- you're saying the Wendigo is a form of fae? <laughs> and... Or, like, he was cursed by the fate and he ate, like, people. No. And now he can't eat anything other than people. Maybe but he just really likes, like, you've got a favourite food. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't understand why he... Because, like, it's clear that he's got, like, his whole st- set up there. Like, yeah. he's set up to keep, like, multiple people. It's like, wh- why would you go to all that hassle if it's just, like... Do you think the Wendigo gets concerned about his cholesterol and has to stop eating people <laughs> for his health? I don't think he would get worried about his cholesterol because he's running so fast. <laughs> Honestly, I wonder if it's like... Okay, I'm bringing it back to Twilight for, <laughs> for a quick minute. I wonder... Well, this isn't even an episode about vampires. It's about Twilight. <laughs> I wonder if it's kind of like... You know how Bella's like, can you eat or whatever? And he like takes a bite of pizza or the apple or whatever it is he bite, takes a bite of and he like chews it and swallows it. But he's like, he doesn't need it and he doesn't really like it. It tastes like he, nothing. He can yeah. eat, but he doesn't need or want to. Which I have other questions about. Because like, do vampires poop? 
because they eat, which means they have to process it somehow, which means... Does that sit in his stomach for eternity now? Like, does he still have enzymes? Is that how vampires get fat? Do vampires get like? Do, can is they it... put on weight? Or because I would say that they're in they're like, like frozen in what they always look like. like. But also, like, is it is it the case of like they're just incapable of shitting and then <laughs> digesting anything? So like, if they eat too much, like they don't get fat in like normal people ways. They just get fat and like their stomach gets so distended from all the food that's in there, oh, but I they can't. Like... And then would a laxative work for them? Yeah, I was going to say, like, if they ate, like, if instead of drinking a litre of blood, what if they just drank a litre of prune juice? Would that <laughs> clear out the pizza? <laughs> oh, my God. So the reason I bring it up is because I wonder if it's the same. I wonder if, like, the Wendigo could eat, like, a squirrel or, like, a leaf. Because it was a human at mm. one point. So you would think they would at least, like, like a vampire. It was a yeah. human. So in theory, it has the same internal organs. And if they're still functioning... Then it could eat, but maybe it's like a vampire where, like, it has to eat human meat specifically to continue. Because remember, it's immortal too. So maybe it's to do with, like, the immortality and, like, the super speed. If it stopped, if the Wendigo became a vegan, would it revert back to being a person? Does that mean, though, that you would be able to, like, use selective cannibalism to become a Wendigo? And then when you were sick of being a Wendigo, just like eat. Like eat a carrot and you like turn back. It's like an animagus from Harry Potter, but like grosser. Involving cannibalism. Yeah. But then it's a case of like how much human meat do you have to eat to become a Wendigo? Actually, that's a good question because they said in the episode, like, do you know what? I've actually got the Supernatural like Bestiary, the book. Yeah. I was given it for Christmas a few years back and I've never really read it, but maybe I should. So that we can come into these episodes with, like, actual facts about what they say about the... It's just confusing to me why it's necessary to go through all the hassle of trying to store humans. Yeah. You could eat berries. You could... Or a bear. Or a bear. Or a squirrel. Or... You could clearly take like, down a bear because you're crazy. Yeah. There, there are so many other options. Maybe he's really organised. I keep my pasta separate from my tinned beans because they're different categories. Like, there's breakfast tins and then there's, like, dinner tins and then there's, like non-tin foods then nah, like, I don't know about you my entire pantry is just tins it's just tins <laughs> nothing else just tins you know and then you've got your things so it's like okay well here's my soy sauce and my oyster sauce and my fish sauce and my sriracha and like you like what if he's got a room that's just for humans but then like next door he's got a room that's just for his beds so and then there's a little room that's just for little squirrels so you saying you think the Wendigo's turned the entire cave system into one giant pantry for himself yeah. like let's say let's say for example, that your favorite food is, well, let's yeah. say your favorite food is a croissant. Now, croissants, great, delicious. However, if you had to eat only croissants forever, just croissants, no toppings, you can't like, you can't have like a croissant with jam one day and then a croissant with like cheese, ham and tomato the next day. Like just a croissant, plain croissant, every single meal for eternity and you're immortal. Do you not think you'd get bored of croissants eventually? I couldn't do it. So I think he wants some variety. So maybe he's like, oh, I'm a bit peckish. I'm a bit, I don't think I could eat a whole human. Maybe I just want a squirrel this morning. I just want a squirrel for breakfast, you know? And then maybe he's really hungry and he's like, God, I could eat like four humans. Do you know what's the size of four humans? A bear. I'll eat a bear. Do you know? You know? And like different meats taste different. Like, you know, you don't cook chicken the same way that you cook lamb do you know very different meats very different flavors very different nutrients maybe it's the same i don't know 
apparently various other television shows and things that I've watched that have included sections on cannibalism, apparently human meat is like pork. And again, PSA, don't murder people, don't eat people. But like, maybe, maybe the Wendigo was like, I don't feel like human meat today. Maybe I just want to mix it up a little bit. So maybe it's not just humans. Maybe it's just like, well, when a human wanders into my territory, that's very lucky for me. I will take that human and I will save him for a day when I'm feeling like humans. I'm just really confused because it's like, I'm really trying to find the humanity that's left in this fucking Wendigo. Oh, no, I'm fully on board with that. Like, you know, Wendigos now have cave systems just full of various foods they could eat. No, what I'm thinking is like, they clearly, like the Wendigo clearly in its hunting territory, it has access to cabins. How long has the Wendigo been there and how do they manage to build a cabin there? Well, I guess it's in the Wendigo's best interest to let them build structures because... Yeah, but do you think anyone's been back to the cabin? Like, who owns the cabin? Is it like a holiday rental? Okay, hear me out. The Wendigo let them build the house. Okay, because he was living in this shitty fucking mine cave thing where he keeps all his food. Yeah. Right? You wouldn't want to live in your fridge, would you? Or your pantry? No. So you let the people build their little hut. You eat the people that stayed in the hut. No one will ever want to stay in the hut again. The hut is now yours. (laughs) It's free real estate. Now your house is separate to your fridge. You've expanded your territory. Win, win, win. I think it's perfect. I'm honestly, kudos to the Wendigo. I don't think we gave it enough credit. Bethany is not a real estate agent. Do not take anything she says seriously. She has no idea about the legalities of eating people to take their homes. I mean, to be fair, I think I have some idea of the legality of eating people in the sense that I'm pretty sure it's just not legal. Just in general. God, what were we talking about? Oh, right. Whether vampires poo based on whether or not uh, a Wendigo eats anything outside of human beings. No, I think... I understand your point about, like, how is he keeping him? them? Why is he keeping them? I honestly, I don't know. You've got to make up your own reasons. (laughs) Yeah, it's just the way that, like, they don't portray the Wendigo as, like, this creature that, like, really thinks through what it's doing. It's sort of like, it's no longer a human. They do say that it's intelligent, though. Because, Sam, unless they're having a dig at Roy, which they could be, they do tell him, like, it's smarter than you. No, I think with the whole, like, eating human meat gives you special powers, like, one of the things I think that it's supposed to do is, like, give you, like, increased intelligence. So in theory, the Wendigo is, like, smart. But I think one of the things that, like, not just Supernatural, a lot of TV shows do, is they, like, build up the villain and they're like, oh, it's so clever. But then, like, you have to, like, they, tr- they build it up so it seems like it's going to be impossible for the protagonist to beat it. But then they have to have the protagonist beat it. So mm. either they have to, like, backtrack on what they said earlier and actually it's not as strong. Like, the Wendigo, like, not running as fast when yeah. it's actually coming at them is a perfect example. If they kept with the story that they had originally, which is, like, it runs so fast you can't see it, they would just be dead. That yeah. would have been the end of Supernatural. Episode 2, Sam, Dean, dead. John never knows. That's the end of the show. But they had to slow it down so that they could survive because otherwise, what else could they have done? I think the issue for me there is it's not just a matter of like Sam and Dean were like, from what we know about Wendigos, it runs so fast that you can't see it. And blah. It's yeah. not just them saying that it they runs so fast. They actually showed it. They showed that it actually, it's not just the case of like, this is what the reports say and it was just exaggerated because people were terrified and you're inaccurately reported. accounts are often unreliable. Yes. Yeah. It's not just a case of like, ah, oh, yes, there were unreliable eyewitness reports. Yeah. It does not actually run so fast that you can't see it. It just seemed that way because 
of the terror. Yeah, it like Scooby-Doo. Like, at the end, they the, pull off the mask and, like, oh, this is how they did all the things. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, you've actually established it as this is able to run so fast that you can't see it. Yeah. And then it's like, well, now it can't. Except now it's running and we can see it. Yeah. And it looks so fucking weird. <laughs> I'm curious how you think the season will proceed from this point. I mean, it's very clear they're going to continue to try and find John. I don't really know too much other than what I've been told by yeah. Tumblr and yeah. you. But John's a bit of an arsehole. I don't think he's actually trying to have his sons find him. What gets me, though, is he left, like, the coordinates for this Wendigo, right? Like, yeah. that's that's why they're here. They yeah. followed the coordinates in his journal, his yeah. diary. He's yeah. a teenage girl now. He has a diary, okay? Yeah. They followed the coordinates in his diary to find the Wendigo, yeah. right? They've now killed the Wendigo. Great. Yeah. Why didn't John just kill the Wendigo? Like, that's the... Yeah, Like, he clearly knew there was a Wendigo there. there. It's clearly not that hard to kill. (laughs) Bring a flamethrower, set it alight, like, you're fine. Like, I don't understand why... He would send them. He would send them there instead of doing it himself. Especially considering the first episode monster, it was like, he was clearly there and he intended to deal with it himself and then something happened. It's like, why would you have the coordinates for something... Yeah, that you're not going to just go to yourself. Yeah. I guess the only real explanation for that is maybe, like, that was going to be his next hunt. Mm. And, like, whatever it is that came up, he just skipped yeah. town before. But it could... still doesn't make sense why he would leave so much stuff behind mm. for Sam and Dean to find in the motel room. Where do you think John is? Do you have a, a theory? I don't have an actual theory, but I'm going to put out something out there right now. Okay. Right? It's yeah. going to be wrong. I'm, I'm telling you now, it's going to be okay. wrong. Yeah, yeah. This is only a half serious guess. Okay. Okay? Yeah. He is at a bar somewhere absolutely pissed off his face <laughs> and he's forgotten all of this shit and it's just like he just got sidetracked, you know, he ran into an old friend. They went, they got pissed. He's been on a bender for like four weeks at this point. Like he's yeah. pissed as a mo- under the table in a bar somewhere and he just completely forgot that he left his diary behind. Look, and now they're just grasping at straws trying to find him for no goddamn reason because he's actually fine. He's just pissed as a moot somewhere. I'll give you this. It's in character, but I think you will enjoy the coming episodes, or I hope you enjoy the coming episodes. <laughs> I don't think they've actually given too much in the form of, like, foreshadowing yeah. what's actually happened to John. Obviously, there's the trashed motel room and the diary and that, yeah. but it's like, the clues may be there, but they haven't actually... Expanded on Like, yeah. and if they have shown the audience them, it was, like, in a passing <clears> shot. <throat> like, the characters haven't put two and two together yet. So yeah. they haven't actually given the audience the context to put two and two together yet either yeah. because they're sort of – what they've shown yeah. of the clues that were left behind isn't what's actually relevant to where he is. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, like, going back to when Sam and Dean are having their little bro moment and, like, Dean's got the book and stuff, you know, part of his speech is saying that, you know, this is Dad's, like, most precious possession. Like, everything he knows about every evil thing is, like, is in this book. It sort of implies that, like, John would not have left this yeah. Unless it was 100% necessary. So, like, I guess you kind of get the vibe that, like, maybe he's in danger. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't necessarily know, yeah. like, anything about why no. or how or where. Like, you yeah. you sort of, like, you can assume that it's something to do with the way Jess and Mary died. That's what you've been told is John's primary motivation for the, like, the first yeah. two episodes. That's everything is sort of implied that it's all, like, about just the that. way that yeah. they've shot it and the way they've, like they talk about it, it's like it's very obvious that this is what it's sort of the focused mission on. is about. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
Final thoughts? Okay, so I thought overall it's better than the last episode. It is an improvement on the first episode, not in terms of direction or lighting. The The special effects weren't quite as shitty. The, the writing was overall better than the first episode. Yeah. Um, what would you rate this episode out of five? Last, I think last episode you said it was 1.5. I'll go two. You'll go it's better, okay. It's better than the last episode, but it's still not something that I'm like, yes, I want to watch 15 more, seasons you know? at a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> improvement from the last episode, but like the lighting and direction is still so bad that it's like I I, stop, I don't want it you know yeah and the characters for me aren't strong enough to justify sitting through 40 minutes of a show that yeah. I can't even goddamn see 